Hi, I'm Azure Ashby, CPA and creator of the Love Then Money Institute. Each week, I will bring you inside the life of a real couple and their relationship with money in order to help you and your partner master your own relationship with money. We can no longer rely on the taboo of money to justify our avoidance. And we can no longer change the topic when things get real. I believe it's time we take our financial future by the reins and take control of the money conversation. And we do that by actually having the conversation. So get ready to listen, relate, and be inspired to achieve your financial dreams together. Because you know what they say, first comes love, then comes money. So let's do this. Nick and Angela want to learn how to save money. It's one of those things people want to do and have some idea on how to do it, but still struggle to fill the piggy bank, right? I mean, it makes sense. Saving is hard. If it was easy, a lot more people would have a lot more money. And when life throws you punches, you need to roll with it and you need the money to do so. So when it comes to saving, it takes a bit more than stuffing bills into a cookie jar or putting all of your loose change in an empty water jug. It's a start, but there's a lot more you can do to save. Today we will talk to Nick and Angie about their money stories. Both of them know that saving is something that they should be doing and doing regularly, but they just haven't gotten the hang of it yet. And a lot of times in a new relationship, it's really hard to learn how to navigate that when you are also learning to navigate how you are making financial decisions together. Also, part of having the knowledge to save or lack thereof comes from childhood, right? In this situation, they both saw the adults around them, whether they were successful or not, saving and how they did that in certain situations. Nick and Angie submitted their money story assignments to me before our call. During our session, I read their answers back to them. Here is Nick's money story. We were pretty poor growing up. I always felt stressed about money. I did get made fun of a lot for the superficial things that kids make fun of other kids for. We had only one family vacation that I can remember. There was a coin jar that sat on our dishwasher for about three years that was being saved for a family vacation. It never got counted and just sat there on the dishwasher. I guess that's, that was my parents' way of saving money. At 14, I started working as a waiter in a local restaurant. I was making tips and felt like I had so much money when I started. I spent my money almost as fast as I could earn it. I got good lunch at school. I was able to buy the clothes that I wanted. I felt that I needed these things to help me fit in. And then when you met each other, we have set up an interesting system. We both contribute to a joint account that is available for bills. And we each have our own separate accounts, which money outside of with money outside of our agreed amounts is sent. Having another person there as a bit of accountability has helped build a savings in our joint account. My personal account feels like I can never get anything built up in it. So do you still have the like want to spend in order to fit in even still to today? You know, I've never really thought of it that way, but I bet that there's a good bit of that kind of in there. I want to be like the coolest kid on the block, I guess. So I want to, yeah, I think some of that's there. Got it. And then do you see, like, do you see any of what 
your kind of like your childhood situation was like having that stress about money, like manifesting itself in how you deal with money today? Like, is there kind of like a, maybe an avoidance with dealing with it because it kind of stresses you out and you don't, you don't want to even like deal with it or like how, how does it manifest itself in you now? Oh, absolutely. That is my go-to move when there's anything that's stressful or confrontational or something. I just, I try to avoid it. (laughs) Straight up my go-to move. Yeah, I, I feel like that's that's definitely present. I think that has a, to do with a lot of like the laissez-faire attitude that I have when it comes to money. You know, like oh, I have money, sweet, let's spend it. Oh, I don't have money, sweet, let's let's not do anything then. You know, I hear you. And so, like as far as savings and stuff, it's still kind of like in your in your individual account. It's like you spend it as soon as you get it or has that shifted a little bit? Not necessarily as soon as I get it, but it, it does get spent and spent through fairly, fairly quickly. It has been nice to watch our joint account grow ever so slowly, but grow nonetheless. So Angie, did you learn anything about Nick that you didn't know before? No, I feel like despite the fact that he you know, especially when we first got into a relationship, isn't very good at communication. I am, and I often force conversations <laughs> that I feel need to be discussed, much to his chagrin. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this feeling stuff, Nick, it, it ends in a couple of weeks and then we get into like numbers. So I don't know which one you're going to hate more, but <laughs> I don't know the numbers. I can deal with numbers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, cool. So we'll move on to yours, Angie. All right. So my mother and stepfather had very poor communication when it came to money. Oftentimes, my stepfather would go off and buy some new kind of equipment or gear for his hobbies and put financial stress on the budget for the house. The stress was definitely palpable in the house. It caused a lot of tension between them. His spending led to the refinancing of the home, which my mother is still paying off. My mother was much more frugal with her money, but she would often give into the ex- the pressures of consumerism. She treated us to things that were good deals or just a little extra. These were often things that we didn't need. Neither were good at saving, so things could come down to the wire some months. As a result, I feel like I am hyper aware of the value in things, asking myself many times if something is worth the money. Unfortunately, I am also not good at saving or creating a plan to save. And then when you kind of went out on your own, you said... As a result, as a young adult, I tried my best to save money and not live paycheck to paycheck. Unfortunately, I did pick up some of those habits of spending a little extra on fun things. Being in the service industry, I was getting paid in cash and too easily spending it. I wouldn't pay attention to my bank account and would just spend as I wanted, often resulting in overdraft fees and mispayments. Once I realized how much these mistakes were costing me, I got a better system in line. I started paying attention to my account and auto paying my bills so I wasn't forgetting them or not having enough in the bank to pay them. I would try to keep my account at a set amount so I had everything I needed to pay the bills. This didn't always happen, though. Once I realized I could be saving money, I did so and did a lot of traveling with it. So it wasn't saved for very long. So I guess I saved to almost immediately splurge. 
I justified the spending and the experiences I had abroad, which I think are more valuable than money. I didn't accrue any debt from the traveling, so I was still in the positive. I definitely didn't pick up any long-term saving habits. I think on my own, I didn't have much of a dialogue with myself about money. It was always so easy to pick up an extra ship shift or work a double, and I could make that extra money I needed. And then for when you guys became in a relationship, you said, I really like the setup we have currently for paying bills. We have a joint account that we both contribute the same amount to every month. This is the account we use to pay our mutual bills and get things like groceries. Because we have accountability to each other, we haven't had any issues with someone not contributing or things being forgotten. Because we have our bills on auto pay, there is no need to have someone in charge. I think this setup gives us both equal control in our relationship that works best. And in our relationship that works best. Our biggest struggle as of late is Nick incurring student loan debt and having to pay tuition. This is pretty new for both of us and adapting to it and having a positive conversations has been challenging. In most circumstances, we communicate fairly well about serious topics. However, large amounts of looming debt is a lot scarier than I thought it would be. So good job, both of you. So I had some questions for you, Angie. You know, after just a general statement, I think after kind of reading through both of your like stories and stuff, I think that a lot of our focus will end up being on like different ways to save. Because I think, you know, I think at this point in your lives, it sounds like that's kind of the shift you want to make. And so I have a bunch of ideas that we'll, we'll end up like going through and trying to figure out what, you know, what's the best for you guys as ter- in terms of like what will work for you, for you to have a saving plan in place. So does that sound like, you know, we're kind of on the right track? It doesn't sound like you guys have a lot of debt now. Is that right? Correct. Correct. And, and so same question for you, like, Angie, so now in your personal account, how are things like, are they, are you still kind of like the same as far as spending it down or what's happening? I feel like I've been pretty good about it. Uh, I've got a little more stress recently though, because I did change jobs and while I'm happier there, I'm not making as much money. So it's definitely a lot tighter than it was in the past. So I'd have to pay a bit more attention, but fortunately outside of just, you know, the regular utilities and rent, we don't have a lot of bills. So, I mean, yeah, it it doesn't, I definitely, I don't have any savings. It's, it, it gets close, but it's, it's manageable. Like I said before, life happens, career shifts or job changes are one of those life obstacles that can affect your financial situation. It's your livelihood. It's how you put bread on the table. And these obstacles can make it hard to save. They can seem like every time you have something saved, you have to transfer it back to cover something that comes up. So something I wanted to do to make sure I had a clear understanding of what their debt was and what the long-term effects of incurring school debt would be to their financial future was take a look at how that was going to pay itself off. I mean, if jobs are the way to bring bread to the table, then debt is the slices that you have to take from it before you even have your share. I wanted to kind of discuss the like student loan debt. And so kind of what, how much debt are we talking about? Like, what is this going to look like at the end of the education? Like, where are you in that, in that process? How is all of that working? Well, I guess that's the biggest thing is Nick 
isn't very good about talking about it. So we haven't really had a big a conversation about it. There's been little conversations, but nothing to where he's actually explained to me what's going on. Nick is currently in school and he's studying to be a nurse and has about two years or so left to go. And as we will see, the benefit from an increase in salary will easily outweigh the amount of debt he must incur to get there. So in the debt, there will be $20,000 over the course of two years being taken out. Through student loans. Through student loans. I still have to pay out of pocket about two and a half grand every three months. I do have some money and funds available for education that should be able to last me throughout. I have about six grand available through to me through work, three per year. Intuition reimbursement that I was trying to go ahead and put back to the principal on the loans to get those down to about 14,000 by the time I finish in two years. So, I mean, it's, it, it sounds, I think it, it, it's a manageable amount of debt. It sounds scary, but it is a manageable amount of debt when it comes to student loan debt, especially. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, no, I think that's completely fine. I mean, a lot of people have credit card bills that are more than 14,000 and those are at like 25%. So. <laughs> so at least these will be at like a reasonable interest rate. So I, I mean, I honestly, so Angie, just to kind of like keep you, you know, a little bit less stressed out about it. I think the interest, I mean, the, this, the payment on that would probably be a couple hundred dollars a month. So it's not like, you know, and you could even work aggressively to pay that off. Nick, how much is your salary going to increase or your like earning potential going to increase from like now and, and then then when you're done? Right now, my hourly wage is around $16 an hour. Once I finish that, as soon as I finish nursing school, it jumps up to about 28 Yeah. And so we can, I mean, we can even come up with like, depending on how aggressive you want to get with like paying that off and how much it does stress you out, you know, like we can even come up with, you know, for a year or so or two years, like you put all the extra money into paying it off if that's what you want. But, you know, in general, student loan debt is somewhat pretty low interest, depending on what kind of student loans you have. So it's not the worst debt to have, but I understand like it's stressful to just have debt in general. But given the fact that the the income will be higher, it shouldn't really like break you guys from a from an income perspective and like being able to pay the bills and stuff like that. So cool. So okay. Um. So Nick, did you learn anything about Angie through like what I read or through like her backstory? We've kind of communicated a lot about that and a lot about her relationship with money. I I feel like. I think the biggest revelation today is that then she's she's vulnerable too. <laughs> I'm not yes. Oh my god! I thought you were like this magical Wonder Woman like character, you know, like Gal Gadot, just throwing it down, you know. And, you know. She is. I mean, come on. <laughs> Angie is a superhero. And everyone's a hero in their own kind of way, right? And it is so sweet that Nick sees his girl in this way. But being able to be vulnerable with those you love also has its place. So if communication is Angie's superpower, then Nick's lack of communication must be her kryptonite. 
Anyway, I think that in general, lack of communication is the kryptonite to most relationships. And I've said it once and I'll say it again and again, avoidance never works. Even though we all use it as a tool in our toolbox, it really rarely helps. It always usually makes the situation worse. And it's something that I want to help you all shift. I don't know. I guess currently the only thing, the only other thing that stresses me as far as money between the two of us is, you know, I talked a little bit about when I was a little bit younger and kind of like, you know, incurring charges for things and not paying attention and just, you know, paying for things you don't need to. And I feel like Nick can sometimes do that. (laughs) And there's often been times where he's like, say, forgotten about something or misplaced something and it ends in us having to pay a fee or to pay something again. So like a piece of mail or something? No, like, I don't want to. So I've incurred some medical bills. They are currently in collections because I didn't necessarily pay all of those. It's in total, probably about $1,200 worth of medical bills. Okay. Got it. Stuff like that. And then like the class, the classes. Yeah. He, he signed up for some classes initially before the coursework that he's currently in. And he got, stressed about it and a little overwhelmed and instead of talking to me about it or canceling the courses before it got too far he just didn't do the coursework and you know we ended up having to pay for those classes and that makes that makes me not only like stressful but a little bit furious <laughs> yeah i hear you so so okay nick so what prevented you from kind of dropping the course before it got too late? Just time constraints. I literally missed a drop date by like two days and I tried to drop it. It just was, it was not successful. I just, I'd, I'd gotten busy and just, I don't know what happened to be honest. He gets distracted and doesn't have like a schedule to, to most things or like he doesn't have, you know, like a calendar or reminders of things, but he is very forgetful. And a lot of times stuff like that happens, you know, like, Oh, I forgot that this is happening. You know, last minute he'll be like, Oh, there's this thing happening. We have to be there in 10 minutes. <laughs> Got it. Is it also like, so I know like as I was working through some of like my money issues and stuff like that. And I mean, I still do this even sometimes when it's not even money related is like, I have similar Nick, like to you, like I like to avoid things because they're going to be hard or annoying or too much, like too intense for me. (laughs) And so like I avoid, so, I mean, is part of it like, you kind of knew it was too much, but you were like avoiding because you're like, you were stressed out about it. And then the more you avoid, the more stressed out. And then you like, kind of like, sometimes I do this where I'm like, I self perpetuate my own, like my own thinking, you know what I mean? Where like, it's like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, this is stressful. I don't want to deal with it. I'm going to miss a deadline. And then when I miss a deadline, it's like a crisis all of a sudden, like I, sometimes I fall into that if I'm not careful because of my like avoidant nature. Does that 
sound like something that it may be for you? I think it was part of that and kind of realizing my own shortcomings. I think the combination of the two just kind of shut me down a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes sense. And it it sucks. But I think part of hopefully what you guys get out of this is that vulnerability aspect that, you know, this stuff, instead of kind of like taking that stress on yourself, Nick, like, hopefully by the end of this, you guys will be a little bit more like seasoned at like talking about this stuff together and knowing that, you know, it's not going to end in a fight, it's not going to end in you know, either of you thinking differently of each other and stuff like that. And then hopefully like next, next time something similar comes up, you guys are at a place where you can be like, Hey, this is what's happening. How are we going to deal with it? And I think, you know, the first step here is I'm glad we're talking about it. And so I think both of you kind of are on the same page now, since we've talked about it, as far as like, the expectation going forward is like, let's, let's try to like prevent this from happening, or let's try to talk about it before it gets too late. And, you know, I think Nick too, like now that you know that now that we've kind of like actually verbalized that this is your tendency, I think that you'll see it more clearly more often. And you'll be able to like make a conscious decision to like, not allow it to get there because that's kind of the point where I had to be with, like had to get to with like my tendency to avoid is like, I can see it happening. And then I'm like, hold up. No, you're not, you're not doing this. And then I like, I change course, you know? Right. Yeah. Cool. Is there anything else you guys wanted to discuss along those lines? I don't think so, babe. I don't think so. In the latter part of our session, I read back Nick and Angie's feelings regarding money. Nick, yours were shame, anxiety, content, lack, not enough. And then Angie, yours were anxiety, worry, and then lack, not enough. And then Nick, your one phrase you always hear yourself saying in terms of money is if it's there, I spend it. If it's not, I'll get by. And I think this is probably why like content is one of your emotions Yeah, is that you're like, you're just so like, content with like whatever the situation is like you just make do. I mean, I think that's great in a lot of ways because I think, you know, that means that you're adaptive to the situation. And, and so that is a great quality to have. And I think, you know, that that probably stems from like your childhood and how things were. And like, you had to be adaptive there as well. So I thought that was interesting that that was yours. Does that sound like, is that right? You think that it's I feel like that's a fairly accurate portrayal. Yeah. Okay. And then Angie, yours was, it's just money. So my question for you was like, what's the second part of that? Is there a second part to that phrase? It's just money. I'll earn more. It's just money. It's not important. Like what is the second part of that? I don't know. I guess when I was little, my grandma would always say, if it's a problem that can be solved by money, it's not a real problem which I felt like was a good thing because it put things into perspective a little bit, you know, because sometimes, but I, I still have issues with it because when it comes to money stuff, I still stress out. Um, so I guess I try to remind myself of that, you know, sentiment. Um, but also at the end of the day, you know, it's just money. Like there's a lot more things that are important, you know, health, um, happiness, I think that makes sense. That's what the my next question was, is it like, is is there a second part or like, is this what you say to, to yourself, like when you're feeling anxious or worried about money or if like you, 
Yeah, I would say it's more that. Just kind of trying to remind myself of the, that sentiment my grandma tried to instill in me. These kind of sentiments, lessons, and tidbits of advice from our past shape our thinking. It's the things we hear over and over in our lives that create our narratives and our beliefs in not only the area of money, but in every area of our life. If we don't take the time to think about what those phrases that play in our heads are, we will fall victim to their power. My goal is to add to Nick and Angie's mental toolkit how to deal with finances so that they can have their grandma's tip on one hand and my advice on the other. Next week's topic is one of my favorites. You heard me reference these concepts in Matthew and Leslie's episodes, but basically I introduced Tony Robbins' six human needs and you can totally go on YouTube and listen to him explain them. He'll do a better job than I ever could. And the five money personalities from a book by Scott and Bethany Palmer. And we've talked about those before as well. And the most fascinating thing to me is the way we deal with and or treat money is it's fulfilling some sort of need for us. This is how everything in our life goes. If we are fulfilling some need, we are unaware of what that need is. We'll continue down the same path of those actions. So it's when we can see what need we're fulfilling by taking a certain action that we can decide whether or not we want to continue that action. After I explained it, I think they found these things to be pretty straightforward. Do you have any questions on any of the ones that I talked about? I don't think so. They are. It, it's cool because, like you said, they're pretty like self-explanatory and simple. They're easy to digest. The concepts. Cool. Good stuff. My goal in these next sessions is to get Nick and Angie to be in a place where they are at the very least monitoring where their money is going and begin to save towards their future goals. The next time on Love Then Money, I talk to Nick and Angie about how their money tendencies fulfill their needs. You won't want to miss it. If you like Love Then Money, do me a favor and tell a friend or five. I'm Azure Ashby, and until next time, I wish you both love and money. Take care.